I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello there. Welcome to the Untitled Film Podcast with Callum and Johnny. I'm Johnny. And cool, blimey, Governor. Oh, I'm Callum. No. See, that, that's going to be a hint for the uh, films that we're going to be talking about. See, uh, I don't really know how because that's not very East Londonish. No, and, it's just, and it's not very it's Japanese. Just, it's sort so. of parody, mockany, cockney. I don't think it was. It's just a bad impression, I guess. For any of those listeners we have left after that, uh, yes, I'm welcome. very sorry about that. <laughs> welcome to this week's podcast. We do have to begin with a bit of, of uh, a uh, backtrack because we thought we would. Uh, we um, thought the Oscars would be the last couple of days of February, the first couple of days of March because they are every fucking year. But most years, there, there's been the odd year here and there. Um, where they are in the middle of March, but it's not... And randomly, usual. this is one of them. <laughs> randomly, this is one of them. So actually, last week when we were going, Oscars, 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 blah, 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 blah. They've not even been yet. They won't even been by the time you hear this episode. Although there is now a stronger feeling of where they're going because we've had the Producers mm-hmm. Guild of America Awards and whatever wins that, it's usually it's like a 95% chance. If it wins the Producers Guild, it's winning Best Picture. And basically, I'm right. And uh, also I think, the Screen with my Actors Guild Awards being where everything, everywhere, all at once swept, except in all the categories it wasn't nominated for because no best actor for that. You can't win a film that you're not nominated in. Well, yes, but it swept in all of its categories. So it's looking pretty good that that's going to get best picture, best actress, best supporting actress. Sorry, no, yes, best supporting actress um, and best supporting actor too. 
And maybe if it wins, I'll finally watch it. <laughs> yeah, you really should. I think you'd enjoy it. I'm sure I'd enjoy it. I just haven't got around to it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been one a those, timing issue. It's one of those ones I've either... I've had, it's been on a plane a couple of times and I've been like, ooh, I could watch that. And I've been like, but do I want to waste this film on a plane? And a tiny little screen. Exactly. And then other times I just haven't had time. But no, it's on my ears on my list. <laughs> Eventually I'll watch it. When I do finally watch it, I'll give you all a mini review yes i think that would be good because it's looking pretty definitive now we'll find out the oscars like to pick some pile of shite sometimes every so often they'll pick a complete curveball green book producers guild (laughs) fuck your producers guild yeah hey we're gonna vote for the racist movie yeah like once every 15 years it's like producers guild my ass yeah well absolutely um and that's what happens when most of your voters are 600 years old and thick Yes. Well, they, occasionally they try to bring in a bunch of n- fresh young people, but it's always kind of a cursory thing. It's like, look here, we've got Kira Knightley on board. Look, she's now a voter. Look, but it's only like a, a one or two, mm. three, four people. It, but they're big names. To be fair, the BAFTAs aren't much better because they tried to bring in a load of like diversity and different people. And they still had like all of the films that won this year were just white people. Yeah, they did. Although their nominations are often now more interesting because it's like that weird indie British film that nobody knew but got great reviews is now nominated for seven BAFTAs. But it's a weird one though, isn't it? It's like, yeah, we'll nominate, but we won't Probably won't, yeah, probably won't win. But it's better than what they used to do because what they used to do... Nominate or award. It would all be the Oscars except for that one supporting actor or Mm. actress where it'd be like old lovey who's doing a big shouty performance and isn't actually very good but we like him because ah, isn't it nice for the old lovey to get a nomination Uh, yeah strange times (laughs) yes very much so obviously we've said many things here like why don't you guys go onto our social media and tell us what your predictions for the oscars and what your thoughts of the oscars and all these award ceremonies are do you care because I think a lot of people don't care. I think people are tuning out. And I think the thing is, they do kind of, you know, they're kind of broadly in the right area. Like, they do pick some films that are reasonable. They don't, you know, they rarely pick knockout bad films, but they miss a lot. Let's be honest. They they're, they're, do. The, the eye of Sauron is, is narrow. It's not wide. They do, and they usually go for the mediocre film, not necessarily because anyone loves it, but because there's one film that everybody loves another film that everybody loves and that film or those two films splits the vote so the only film that's left is the fine middle of the road mm. third film that everyone likes but doesn't love like Argo is a good or, or they love films that not that they actually won in the end but they won films like love films like La La Land it's like it's about Hollywood it's about our city I live in Hollywood let's vote for the film about Hollywood woo if only dear listeners you could see Johnny dancing yeah absolutely anyway uh what though if they do want to comment about these things callum where tell us where they can comment well on you them. can find us on both instagram and facebook on untitled film podcast it's all one words we post weekly content good stuff and we're also now on youtube and you can find all all of our previous episodes on youtube we're going to start re-uploading some old episodes when before we knew about sound editing by our mix master general rob hardstone who works his magic and made us sound beautiful so when we were doing it ourselves the some of those episodes are starting to be remixed and re-uploaded so looking forward 
good stuff there. Go there. So if you've ever gone to listen to one of the early episodes and gone, mm, it doesn't sound quite right. I'm not going to listen to this one. Now you, now you can. Now you can. I did that with vlogs all of, like, I, 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 I like YouTube uh, and I watch vlogs and things. And sometimes I go back to like somebody who I really likes vlogs and look at the like early ones and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to watch these. They're not done great. a potato. Yeah, but I actually think once they have been finished complete being remastered, the early ones will sound very good. Yes, they'll fa- sound they'll all flash and pretty excellent. and uh, you'll love us. You'll fall in love with our voices. Absolutely. Anyway. On from this nonsense um, and into what I like to call news the time? news. The yeah, news. Um, Callum, what is your first Uno number Uno newso? Well, there is going to be a uh, film that um, is going to be produced by and starring Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors is currently the It Man in Hollywood. He's Kang the Conqueror in Ant-Man, and he's going to be the big next Marvel MCU baddie. He's also in Creed 3. So he has, he's been the first actor for something like 15 years to, to have two consecutive back-to-back number one films in the US box office. And this film that he's going to be in is called The Understudy. And it looks like Spike Lee is circling it to direct, but he hasn't confirmed yet. And it's about an understudy on a Broadway play who finally gets his chance to be the lead, but will that chance include murder? And uh, Jonathan Majors, he's clearly, you know, he's vying for a, you know, leading man. You know, he's had two major uh, supporting roles in big, big blockbusters, but this is his chance to grab the leading man role, and he's charismatic enough to do it, I think. Yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair comment. It's interesting, actually. Hollywood seems to be really going in with, like, the almost Agatha Christie-esque murdery there vibes. There has been a the few, minute. haven't there? Yeah. Like, uh, see how they run. So, yeah, see how they run, or which is all, again, very kind of theatre-y. Like, have you watched it yet? I have, yeah, I saw it the other week. And, um, yeah. Lots of it, winking and it's all, it's all set in, for anyone who doesn't know, Agatha Christie's Mousetrap, which is the longest-running play in the West End. Um, and it's all set around the kind of, like, the starting of that. And also, like, Glass Onion and... Um, obviously, the death on the Nile and that kind of thing. There seems to be a, a lot of this kind of stuff going on at the minute in, in Hollywood, interestingly enough. But... And what is your first bit of news? Well, uh, I was going to segue in before you asked said question and, so, uh, and say, speaking of musicals... Drum roll, please. Schmigadoon Season 2. Woo! Trailer has come out for it today. Uh, and it is... They go back to Schmicago. And it's all kind of like Chicago-esque things. Um, for those of you you don't know, uh, it is a Apple Plus musical show. It's a, I'd say a sitcom. Would you say a sitcom? It's certainly funny. Yeah, um, it's a comedy. Yeah, yeah, a sitcom. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, with um, Keegan Michael Keane. Key. Key. Key from Key and Peel. That, that's the hint there. Key and Peel. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, and uh, I forgot. Uh, Celie uh, Strong. Yeah, she's very good. She's from Saturday she's actually, Night. She's, she's one of the Saturday breakout Saturday Night Live people. And it has quite a lot of Saturday Night Live people in it, with quite a lot of musical people in it. This season has also brought in the genius that is Titus Burgess. Oh, nice from um, Kimmy Schmidt, among other things. Is uh, Alan Cumming? Alan right. Cumming is back. Yeah, right. uh, I know. Exciting. Um, and uh yeah you know 
Oh, bit of an all-star musical cast. Uh, it seems to have got been peppered with, which makes sense, I suppose, with Saturday Night Live connections, but with Tina Fey people as well, people from Tina Fey's various shows. Um, yeah, it is looking good. Really enjoyed the first season and quite excited for that. Well, that sounds very fun. I really liked the first season. I did, yeah. It was kind of a surprising one. I wasn't expecting to know much about it or like it and really liked it. So. Apple Plus tends to make the biggest swings. They don't always mm-hmm. hit, but uh, they they make shows that have ambition to them. Yeah, I I, I, I was thinking about it today, actually. Every time I'm like, I'm going to cancel, because I tend to cancel streaming services and kind of like... Uh, I think we like all kind of, we all cycle yeah, through them, kind don't of we? cycle through them. And and but there's 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 enough shows on there that they and they and obviously they release them weekly as well that they kind of connect it up. So I really struggled to cancel it now. <laughs> so I'm like, because now Ted Lasso's. I've just finished watching um, Mythic Quest, the newest one. Now Ted Lasso's out, so that's going to be for like eight weeks. Then it'll be Schmigadoon, and there's a couple of movies coming out, and I'm sure there'll be a new morning show soon. And then after that, there'll be a new series of um, uh, Severance. Severance? It's... Severance with Adam yeah. Scott, yeah. Yeah. And then there'll be something in it. And they've, they've kind of connected a year round now. They're very clever like that. Yeah, they are. It's a, they, yeah. Bloody, can they, can they stop say, making separate streaming services? I'm paying a bloody fortune now. Bloody capitalism, eh? No. Who needs choice, eh? <laughs> I just want one. I remember the days when Netflix had everything. Everything. And it was £6 a month. Yeah, that was, what, those were the days. Heady Heights, everything in HD for £6 a month, and they had everything. There no was longer. no other streaming services. No more. Thanks, Disney. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, what is your next piece of news? second bit of news is that John Boyega is going to star in the sci-fi film The Freshening from uh, the director of Birds of Prey, which I know you were a big fan of. Yeah, I love Birds Kathy of Prey. Yan, and it's going to be produced by Ali Wong and Adam Kay. Ah, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's got, got quite, a, quite a, a good pedigree behind it. And it's, uh, it's inspired by a short story uh, by Rachel Kong in, from the Paris Review, which is set in the near future where tensions over race and gender have reached a violent extreme and the US government institutes a public health initiative known as the Freshening. So it sounds wow. very... Uh, politically active it sounds like uh very much of the now it's going to probably have some george romero-esque soapboxing with someone tutting and going when there's no more room in hell or something to that effect so isn't there a book called the deadening as well that sounds familiar and the thinning 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 something anyway any connection who knows who knows just good titles i guess um yeah exciting sounds sounds like a, a one to watch Speaking of one to watches, um, for any people our age, there was a very famous TV series called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There was. For those who remember. Um, and there is, like, there seems to periodically be, they like, kind of dust the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles off with varying success. Most recently, Michael Bay produced a couple of yes. CGI, poor, terrible looking movies where they all look like drunk avocados and spoke like Michael Bay characters. Yeah, that those weren't very good. No, no, no I didn't watch them. I never watched them, to be honest, but they looked shit from the I trailer. Saw, I saw the first one, and it wasn't very good. But, more interestingly, a new... Because that was kind of like live-action hybrid as well, wasn't it? Yes. Um, it's gone back to its animation roots, 
and there is a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mayhem coming out. Uh, it has been produced and I think co-written by Seth Rogen. Um, that on the teaser trailer says uh, written by uh, the perpetually teenage uh, Seth Rogen, which I thought was quite funny. Cute, yeah, yeah. Uh, and is directed by uh, Jeff Rowe of Mitchell's versus the Machine fame. Um, who is yeah absolutely i love for those of you that haven't watched mitchell's versus the machine once you finish this episode of this podcast go and switch your netflix on and watch it because it is heartwarming hilarious um exciting phonetic and beautifully animated in a style that no one else really does it i um i know um uh lord and miller are involved with that i don't think they are with this actually but uh, he's obviously from the Lord and Miller School, uh, and it's going to star. In, it's going to star such people as Paul Rudd, Jackie Chan, and John Cena as uh, yeah, in it as well as a uh, a young cast. They've been seem to have really leaned into the teenage. Part I thought that was really good because turtles, when yeah. I saw the trailer, I, th- I thought the voices sounded very young and squeaky, and I, I looked them up. And they were I'm all like pleasantly pride, 14, surprised 15, to see yeah, that yeah. they were actually teenagers. I think unlike, that's such a good idea. Unlike the man, the avocados that yeah. speak like... I think Johnny Knoxville was one. He's like 45 or something. Yeah, 45 and a 50-a-day smoker. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then they seem to really leaned into it and they seem to kind of act like teenagers. And from the trailer, it made me laugh. It looks good. Visually, it looks interesting. Kind of reminded me how, again, that film I haven't seen, but how Puss in Boots 2 kind of looked in the trailers it and stuff as well. It does seem to be a trend starting from Spider-Verse that really kicked off a thing with line drawings and frenetic styles, but with yeah. slightly quirkier, less interested and, in being photoreal. And mixed 2D, 3D animation yeah. and layered and kind and of clad it look almost and um, stop motion. Yeah, and it's been good. I like it, personally. It's a bit more... I mean... You can argue, obviously, everyone seems to be doing the same thing now, but it, it, obviously Pixar do CG very well. But outside of Pixar, I would argue that people have struggled to work out how to get interesting character design from CG stuff. I'm not saying that it's bad. Like, they have six billion hairs and the water looks like Often it's Illumination real. has this problem where they just photocopy, copy-paste the same like Lima mm-hmm. or whatever in the background of shots and sing. Where, and then you've got the other end of things, which are stop motion things, which are beautiful and good fun, but they, they look kind of hand done and stuff. Whereas this kind of maybe I always have actually thinks has started to create a good middle ground and look really good. So no, I'm genuinely, I actually wasn't always the, uh, as a kid like it wasn't my like number one show I watched it it was on in the background but I was never kind of like a massive TMNT fan but actually I saw the trailer for this and thought no this looks really good it does look it does look very fun absolutely and I think that brings us to the end of the news I think so I think so indeed so Callum what movies have we decided to review this week well, we've picked two films, um, as we always do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd be concerned if we had them. Yeah. Well, we picked one film, but we've picked two films, both of which star Brad Pitt. And actually, this kind of brings us full circle, because we were originally going to do Bullet Train when it came out in cinemas. Um, Bullet but Train's the first movie, the, by the way. The first movie is Bullet Train. And because of timing, we never got around to it. And we had to pick something else. And now it's on streaming and for now free. It's on streaming, <laughs> and so it's time when we thought, well, let, let's let's do that. But so, what are we going to pair it with? 
Uh, eventually, because Bullet Train, the thing about Bullet Train, you know, a little spoiler for the review, is it so desperately wants to be a Guy Ritchie film that we thought... But good early Guy Ritchie, not recent shit Guy Ritchie. Um, Guy Ritchie. Um, but what film could we pair it with Brad Pitt, Guy Ritchie? Well, Snatch, which also stars Brad Pitt. Um, he's the scene-stealing supporting character in that film and is directed as an actual Guy Ritchie film. Uh, so that will be our older movie and I think Snatch is from the year 2000. Yes, and yeah, that is our two movies. Two, two Brads and two... Two Brads and... One guy and one wannabe guy. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah. Do, do you or I? Who wants to do I, I, I can. I can try and take this one. Go for it. So um, Bullet Train is about a guy called Ladybug. He's a assassin slash sort of general all-round hire a crim. Uh, he's in Tokyo and he gets a job to go onto the titular Bullet Train for a snatch and, and grab job. Go onto the train... Pick out this, pluck out this briefcase with the train sticker on on the handle, and then get off. But as with all good Guy Ritchie films, this is one of those films with interconnected stories. And wouldn't you know it, they all come to a head because they're all after something similar. So you also have these other two cockney, geezery gangsters on the train, uh, other assassins named Tangerine and Lemon, played by Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Brian uh, Terry Henry, I believe his name is. And you also have this young girl assassin um, called Prince, played by Joey King, who is very interested with this Japanese um, guy, this uh, son of a crime lord. And she tells him that uh, I have an assassin on the other end of this line. If you don't do what I say, your son is going to die because his son is in hospital. And they're all start fighting over this briefcase, which becomes the MacGuffin of the film. And... No matter how much he tries, Brad Pitt is trying to get off this train, but can't because people keep attacking him. So, Johnny, what did you think of Bullet Train? I liked it. Um, I liked it probably maybe... I, I kind of wanted to like it from the trailers. I thought when the trailers came out, they did a good job of kind of advertising it. Can you stop knocking the microphone? <laughs> that wasn't me. I'm, I'm sitting still. I'm not near the I'm microphone. I'm literally not touching anything. Well, someone knocked the microphone and it wasn't me. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. Um, you did it again. <laughs> it might be because my uh, cable is by the chair, the wow. table leg. Wow. I can't really do much Poor about that. Poor excuses. Anyway, sorry about that, listeners. Um, uh, yeah, so it, it I, I liked it. Um, I thought it was quite phonetic. I didn't it was fun i thought visually i quite enjoyed it actually i, I like the way that everything was shot and some of the side characters it kind of reminded me of uh, generic guy ritchie but it also kind of reminded me a bit of gross point blank which is one of my favorite films with the kind of neurotic assassin with a, a sidekick in their ear kind of guiding them through things um with a with a Sprinkling of Gaspar Noé from a kind of visually like neon. Didn't think of that. It's a good comparison. Yeah, kind of lit kind of way, and some. It was quite phonetic at times. I thought like there was there's this there's this whole thing where, for those of people that know Japan, there's like Hello Kitty trains and stuff in Japan, um, and there's like a whole carriage where there's this character which is kind of shown in adverts and stuff at the start of the movie as well. Um, that is. Uh, 
obviously like a children's carriage and they have to go keep going back and forth down the train and they go through this children's carriage a few times and there's a big like mascot um, person and that kind of like the colours and the way that's all tied in I quite liked. I did. I find it generally quite funny. Uh, it did feel like kind of Guy Ritchie conversations, um, uh, particularly between there and Taylor Joy characters. And Taylor character, Johnson. Johnson, sorry. Uh, yeah, and stuff. So, um, uh, yeah, I quite liked it from that point of view. It did feel a bit cookie cutter, Guy Ritchie. Um, it did, it, you know, it's not going to set the world on light. It's not a masterpiece or anything. But again, it's one of those films that's nice to watch on a... A Sunday, I couldn't. There's nothing particularly offensive about it, um, and just just overall quite enjoyed it. How about you? Well, I think I enjoyed it less than you, but still, as you said, Sunday afternoon, you know, you can do a lot worse than watching this film. Um, I found that it was teetering towards being just a bit too obnoxious because of out of an attempt to find that sort of sweet spot of Guy Ritchie, you know, bantery sort of dialogue. Um, so sometimes when you'd have the characters introduced for the first time and then it pauses and it says their ti- the title of their name, Lemon, Tangerine, over their head, I thought, oh, come on. <laughs> I still thought it was more chilled out than, uh, not to give the, review, the next movie away, but I hadn't watched Snatch for quite a long mm-hmm. time. And I wanted that to calm down probably more than I ever wanted this film to calm down, but yeah. that's another story. <laughs> I mean, generally speaking, it, it was fun. Um, and... Each character seemed to have an affectation which threatens to become annoying. But they either were played by good enough actors. So, for example, um, Brian Terry, um, Thierry Henry, he has this... He's uh, him and Aaron Taylor Johnson, they're, they're brothers, they're, you know, assassins. And he has this affectation with Thomas the Tank Engine where everything in life is a metaphor, can be applied... Uh, the metaphor of Thomas the Tank Engine can be applied to life. See, I quite like and that. I didn't like, I didn't like that. But what I do like is Brian uh, Thierry Henry. He's, you know, recently been Oscar nominated yeah. and I like Aaron Taylor Johnson. So I found that they sold a lot of the wankier sort of parts of that dialogue. Brad Pitt, too, has this thing where he's he's just gone to see a therapist and he, he doesn't really want to be doing this kind of stuff anymore. He doesn't want to bring a gun onto the train. He would rather bring the sleeping powder because he doesn't want to be that kind of uh, assassin. He'd rather be, you know, pacify them rather than kill them. And then throughout the film, he keeps on accidentally killing people. Mm. And that's funny. But he, because he's been to therapy, he keeps quoting this sort of new agey kind of spaced out and I thought his performance is very good because he's so spaced out and <laughs> kind of tripped out through the film that when everyone else is doing, cool, blimey, knock it on the head, down the old Kent Road, ooh, what, Thomas the Tank Engine, what, what, what? He's just kind of looking on in bewilderment. Just kind of how I'd imagine him being in real life. Yeah. Um, and so through whether it's the performances or whether because the writing just held back enough when something threatened to become a little bit irksome, um, they managed to not annoy me. They managed not to lose me. But there were times where I found myself coming, ah, mm, oh, okay, fair enough. Well, I'll, if it's Aaron Taylor Johnson doing it, I can, I'm fine with this annoying dialogue because I really like him and I really like Brian and I really like Brad and, you know, all the performers, really. Um, they're all talented and there's lots of fun cameos. But even those, again, it was kind of like, oh, come on, you know, it's starting to get a bit wanky now. So it, the film was kind of kept on nearly tripping over and then just pulling itself back just because the performers doing it were fun. The action was kinetic. So every time it just nearly lost me, 
something would kind of a fun action scene would come and save it i kind of thought those things were things that saved it for me because i think they made it more interesting oh interesting interesting that you found it interesting i kind of thought that they i don't it's the new film so i don't really want to say who the big bad is but like when he showed up i thought that was quite interesting there's several cameos there's one cameo of somebody who seems to cameo in everything at the minute i was watching (laughs) something else the other day and i was like in free guy Yes, yeah. it was Free Guy. I on the plane. Um, yeah, I was watching Free Guy and I was like, what? And, <laughs> and the, they're pretty much doing the same joke almost. And the voice in his ear, um, um, we shouldn't give it away. But, well, she's in it from like the first okay, frame. Okay, in that case. Um, so it's Sandra Bullock. Yeah, um, and she's good. Because Sandra Bullock was in a film this year called The Lost City, also with another person that cameos. Um, and Brad Pitt, and this isn't, isn't a spoiler for that film because he's in the trailer. Mm does a five-minute cameo in that film. So it was almost like a favour. So I'll do this one if you do this one. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, see, I quite liked all those things. I thought there was some quite good cogs in it. It see, just made me chuckle. I found like, the, I, those bits kind of annoying, but they were sold by talented people. But I also think I, I, I straight away, just from the colour palette and everything, just didn't take it as particularly seriously. And I think maybe because I left kind of all kind of caring about like i'm not going to be annoyed by that because it's funny and it's silly and it's like it's a silly movie it's like ott it's it's ridiculous and that's what i quite liked about it i just japan as a setting to me is a great setting because it's just it's just it's kind of a japan for people from the west is just quite a surreal place isn't it when you look at it it's just so different in so many ways and visually it's so stimulating that it, it I like. Yeah, I feel obviously you couldn't have the sound on, but you could like mute this film and put some children in front of it, and they'd be like, "Whoa, colours!" <laughs> Woo! Yeah, probably. And I kind of like that. And I just, yeah, I well, just I, thought it was I also easy like watch. the fact that they're trying to bring the word "bellend" back as a as an insult. <laughs> so someone's clearly because the screenwriters are American. They've done a little bit of homework. I actually thought when writing for the Cockney characters. So you know, they say Jaffa cakes. Now, what about wagon wheels? It's like, well, that's a deep cut. I actually thought like I was like surely. Someone on this crew is British. Yeah. Well, obviously, the the actors that play. I know, but only, no, only Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Johnson is. Yeah. And again, credit to um, Brian. Brian, like his accent was really good. Yeah, yeah, it was. Because I know him mainly from Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, and he's so different. I was like, I had to look up. I was like, is he British and does an accent for Atlanta? I was also surprised how moved I was by a couple of their scenes. Mm-hmm. Again, no, nothing to spoil, but... But I they're just really likeable. They do have chemistry. They're very likeable. They've got good chemistry, and I actually bought them. I bought their, yeah. their relationship. So there was a moment kind of towards the third act where I actually found myself going, this is genuinely moving. Them and Brad, I didn't really buy into anyone else, but them and Brad Pitt, those, those three characters I bought into. Yes. Which, which actually is, a again, not to give too much away, is a good thing because they are... the. I mean, they're kind of the three... The main sort of, people. The main people. They, there's another storyline going on which I care less about. The, but... the, the one with uh, Joey King. Exactly, yeah. Prince. Yeah, uh, she was a little bit... Uh, her American... So her, sorry, her British accent was a little less convincing than mm. Brian. But, you know, at this point, I, I'm, I'm no longer caring about the quality no, of an accent. I'm so burnt <laughs> out. Like, fine, it's, it's an acting. I don't care. I don't care anymore. I don't quite understand why she was British when... Anyway. I suppose they were going for the... Because she's dressed like a sort of British schoolgirl. Yeah. And they gave every character a sort of a thing, you know. Um, so I think that was supposed to be her thing. But they anyway. should have cast someone who's But again, British, but... that's something I didn't really pay much attention to or care about because I feel like that is not really... And it was the, le- it was the least interesting of the, of the, of the mm-hmm. train stories. 
Yeah, absolutely. But no, I enjoyed it. I thought it kind of worked. Um, it's yeah, like I said, it's a good Sunday film. Probably, if I'd have paid twelve pounds in the cinema, to be more annoyed. But well, cool, blimey! I reckon that's a thumbs up from us. Well, we'll, we'll tell you more at the end. Knock it on the head, etc., etc. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> and on that, <laughs> here's an advert. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome back from the advert. Cool, blimey. I reckon oh, I'll buy that for, for a quid. Fuck sake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too tired for this. Anyway, <laughs> on to our second movie. Get him when he's back from holiday, then he can't fight you. <laughs> I'll turn your thing off at the end of the whole show. Um. Anyway, the <laughs> sorry, it's quite it's quite late in the evening, and I am quite severely jet lagged. So uh, I am not 100 percent there. So apologies if you hear me yawning in the background at all. Um, it's not just what Callum's saying this time, anyway. Uh, anyway, um, our second film is the Guy Ritchie. I'm gonna say classic. Would you say classic? One could, one could. Um, 2000 movie Snatch, starring Mr. Brad Pitt and Mr. Jason Statham, and a very young. Um, oh, what's his name? He's gone on my head. Stephen Graham. Stephen Graham. That's what I was gonna say. Uh, and many other Vinnie Jones and a cast of British gangstery kind of talent plus Brad Pitt. Um, it stars the Jason Statham is the main character. I can't remember his name. I don't think Turkish. Really, oh, it is Turkish. His yeah. Name's Turkish. 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 And what's, and uh, they've all got stupid names as they have to have in a Guy Ritchie movie. This one's called two job body. This one's called Billy the kid. This one's called turn up the ostrich. Yeah. Russian the bullet. And Bullet Tooth Tony and Seven Teeth and McGee and Unkillable Jeff and the the Badger. There isn't one called the Badger. Uh, none of these names are the right no. names. Anyway, um and he is gonna put his prize fighter into a fight with um I can't remember the main the other guy's name. Oh, um Bricktop. The, the Bricktop, yeah, the biggest gangster around. Um and obviously they're gonna throw the fight, it's fixed probably um but he decides that he needs a new caravan to build his empire out of it sounds pretty ridiculous explaining this um so he dispatches stephen graham's character can you remember his name tommy 
Tommy. Tommy the what, though? He's got a... uh, This one, no, actually, it's just, just Tommy. Tommy. He sends Tommy to go to the, not my language, quote-unquote, pikeys mm. to go and pick up their uh, carav- to go and buy a caravan off them and uh tommy very quickly gets scammed out of his money um and then realizes that he's been scammed out of his money and tommy has bought with him the prized fighter as a bit of protection and immediately decides to get into a fight with brad pitt's quote-unquote pikey character um and immediately gets uh knocked out can't fight anymore so they have to enlist this pikey to if you can't see i'm doing air quotes every time uh to fight for them but he doesn't do as he is told and many hijinks ensue there's also about four or five other storylines going on because um clearly uh, someone watched pop fiction exactly what i was gonna say <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, because <laughs> because somebody wanted to be the British um, Quentin Tarantino. And, um, yeah, but that's the kind of the core of the film. Someone's trying to get a caravan, and it, which is, in fairness, remarked upon multiple times in the commentary. Ain't it funny? We were just trying to buy a caravan and all this shit's happened. Uh, but there you go. Uh, Callum, what do you think of Snatch? Well, let's start off with the stuff I liked, because I don't want this to be a... kind of just a slugfest um firstly now that we've said that p word three times let's not say it ever again because i'm sure that even in the early 2000s that was a kind of it's not necessarily a a slur it's certainly a word that really shouldn't be used and the fact that they used it so often i said i was going to start with something i liked but i didn't Um, (laughs) so so often really made me uncomfortable Mm. so okay now let's segue into something i like this was only Jason Statham's second film, and Lockstock was his first. And he is so confident and so commanding in the leading role. I mean, it's not like an earth-shattering performance, but he has that leading man charisma, like, straight from the off. He, he is the grounding thing in this film, and everyone else is doing the kind of Guy Ritchie cartoon character. Do Bob Johnny, um, Jimmy the Fish. He's the kind of one thing that kind of keeps the whole madness nailed to the floor. And you need a a central performance that's both confident and can be confident around bigger stars like Brad Pitt, but they also got Benicio Del Toro and um, Dennis Farina and a bunch of people. They've got Benicio, actually. um, Because Lockstock was a success, they've managed to get some American talent. And to have a first-time lead be, if not necessarily the most eye-drawing thing because of how scene-stealing Brad Pitt is. Um, But to be someone that can ground a a dumb and silly film so well is something that's very commendable. There's a reason why he went on so so well. Actually, also Stephen Graham, slightly more comic relief, but again, sort of like the two characters that can keep the whole madness grounded. Okay, so that that aside... um, (laughs) Everything with the, the everything with the capside and Brad Pitt's character, and while he's doing kind of he's having fun, it's such a sort of you know they've let a movie start off the rails and it's starting to turn into later season later Pirates of the Caribbean Johnny Depp with uh, they've let a, a famous actor do a silly accent and he knows he can get away with it because what are they going to do this British low budget British film they're going to tell me Brad Pitt to stop I don't think so. 
So that started to, when I was a teenager, I, th- I thought that was so fun, that performance. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just finding it annoying. And the fact that they keep using that word is irritating. Then you have the myriad of supporting subplots, which I know the idea with these films is that they're all supposed to tie in a bow at the end. It really doesn't. Like they, They're too separate for, to, for as many as there are. They should connect better at the end to make it worth it. And while they kind of have a connection because one people are, uh, one plot line is about this fighter and getting Brad Pitt to fight for this gangster, and the other plot line is about getting this diamond, two MacGuffins? Come on, Guy mm. Ritchie. Surely you know screenwriting structure better than that. But one the, MacGuffin. The diamond one doesn't really go many places either. It doesn't, either. Really. It doesn't mean, really connect. It, it bumbles around the edge of the other it does. one. And a couple of the characters intersect, but it's not... It's not Pulp Fiction levels of yeah, intertwined. If, you, if you're going to do the myriad of stories that all connect at the end, you need to actually have them connect at the end rather than two stories end separately. Mm-hmm. So what wasn't annoying was kind of boring. Um, and what wasn't boring was <laughs> a bit annoying, with the exception of an excellent kind of grounding leading performances from, from um, Stephen Graham and Jason Statham, who... You know, again, his second film and his first film as a leading man and his first film as a leading man being alongside Brad Pitt and all these other guys. And he doesn't whimper at all. He doesn't let Brad kind of steamroll over him, which so easily could have Mm -hmm. happened. He's so confident from such an early start of his career. And he's so very good in this. So I'll leave it over to you. So I'm going to preface this by saying I don't like Guy Ritchie, really. I've never bought into Guy Ritchie. I've never been a massive fan of Lockstock even. It has its moments, but I've never been a massive fan. Pretty much everything after Snatch has been either bland Hollywood fare or shit. And nothing nothing that kind of is... Like the the um, Sherlock movies, there's, there's like... We'll let Guy have two camera angles in the whole film, like <laughs> Guy Ritchie, and everything else is very just bleh. Um, so... Bearing that in mind, in my head, I always had Snatch as the one. I haven't watched it for like 15 years. And I always had Snatch in my head as the one that was like, oh, yeah, no, but he did do Snatch. Snatch is good. Snatch is good. Um, But having rewatched this, I had, hence why I was was, making comments about the use of the the P word, I, I kind of found it quite xenophobic. Um, and not just with him. There's quite a few characters in it that were, I thought, quite uh, like they do like doing kind of stereotypical jokes about accents. Yeah, but things. it was all the stuff. There was the like the Jewish stuff at the start was almost mildly anti-Semitic, yeah. and there was kind of yeah. It just it's not written with a a, a level of care for the modern world. I'm, I know it was 23 years ago, but kind of watching it back, it's a bit cringe now. It's like watching. Um, the Star Wars prequels back and like you're like mm, how did this get made 23 years ago this seems too like this should have been like might have got through in the 50s kind of vibe um so that I find problematic I really hate the camera cuts and oh he camera loves angles flash, and, oh just the start just like so they had the bit at the start and then when it goes and it tells you the name, the stupid names, which annoys me as well. It's another th- it's the reason I don't like Harry Potter. I hate stupid names. Um, 
And it's <laughs> just like the cutting around with all these stupid names, all these stupid people that I just hate. And if I met them on the street or in a pub, I'd be like, I fucking hate you all. Apart from Jason Statham and um, and Stephen Graham's character, ironically, I probably would quite enjoy having a pint with. Um, but outside of that, they're all just cunts, to be fair. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just not, not, yeah, it's just not my kind of film. And... I don't think the, I don't think the stories connect that well. I, it did make me chuckle a couple of times. I feel like the core story with Jason Statham and, and Stephen Graham, if it was one hour long, would would be all right. Um, and there is, you know, I do at times like um, some of the conversations and the writing, but it just it's just not very it's not very well filmed. It's feels very low budget and i don't think it necessarily was that low but lockstock was low budget but this wasn't yes. low low budget um, i mean not maybe low they spent the all the money on brad pitt <laughs> maybe i mean it's not low in the respect that uh, well for what it is it's probably quite high but it um i i but i'm not sure what the budget is probably in the several million range in, in a way i kind of enjoyed brad pitt's performance but it's problematic and i enjoyed the the, the two central characters performances but outside of that yeah um so I feel like I've, in a way I've been overly harsh on it. There is stuff to like, and it is it's it's an enjoyable ninety minutes within reason. Or I mean, whatever. Like, it's not the too odd, long. There's the odd not... good gag, and yeah. there's the odd sort of um, kind of quite like you said. There's some some quite fun panter, uh, panter banter. Um, so one interchange that I liked is like, what, what if we replace him with Mad Fist Willie or John the Gun? Not Mister Current Affairs, are you? Mad Fist went mad. And the and the gun shot himself. So, well, that's quite funny. It's yeah, a, there's a good uh, sight gag there. There's a, there's a few bits like and that. There's a, a handful of of uh, kind of scattering of of some kind of quite witty dialogue. Yeah, uh, I quite like the dog character as well. Yeah, yeah. The, the, there's the some dog, fun the way that kind there. of like ties in with things and and stuff. Um, yeah. Anyway, but no, it, <laughs> there are bits that make me laugh, and it did. It does work at times, but I just yeah, I think I feel like people do generally suggest this is the best Guy Ritchie movie. I would say. People I mean, on IMDb, it, it has something like it's one of the hundred best movies according to IMDb or something like that. I should check the number. The thing is, though, with Guy Ritchie stuff, is it is that early Guy Ritchie stuff. It is just such poor man's Quentin Tarantino. He went and watched. Um, Reservoir Dogs he was like I can make a low budget movie too and made Lockstock and then he went and watched Pulp Fiction and went I can make a movie with intertwining storylines too and then made and it does just feel like I'm going to be the English version of and the ironic thing is that this then started its own wave of imitators because the geezer film really kind of kicked off in earnest with Snatch. And let's be honest, Danny Dyer would not have had a career without well, quite. these films. And yeah, he's not in any of them. The best one is Sexy Beast. So yeah, if you've got to watch any, film. watch Sexy Beast. Guess what number this is on IMDb. <laughs> Am I going to be really upset? It'll be Say 64. Upset. It's the 119th best movie uh, ever made. I'm not as upset as I thought it was going to be. And you say, it's funny that you say it's poorly shot, because it's poorly shot, but it thinks it's amazing. It really shot. does. There's yeah. so many swiping and swooping and kind of like kind of crash zooms and flashy edits and slow mo- going into slow motion and then going into fast motion. Like Guy Ritchie, I mean, this is total cinema bro wank Mm -hmm. you know this is kind of like you know that guy from film school who's learned how to do the perfect swipe but what 
meaningless. But someone else who does all this stuff, but does it with such class, is Edgar Wright. Yes. So Edgar Wright loves cutting, loves editing, loves moving the camera, loves doing all this stuff. But he does it in a way that makes you, like if you watch Spaced and stuff, and just the way he does all those shots and... But he does them with reason. It's it's almost like it's a bit Michael Bay esque with um, uh, with with Guy Ritchie in that he he knows he's got this toolbox and he's going to use every tool in it. It doesn't necessarily need to be used, but I'm going to use it. And it's kind of got that about it. I, do, I, I, I those will remember maybe twenty podcasts ago we did one of our questions on on socials that was like. Um, dumb people's good movies and stuff <laughs> yeah. and this is kind of one of those it's kind of like 19th best movie ever made yeah and there's you know the the uh the imdb's top 250 movies is full of these movies where it's like but this is a bandwagon movie like it's fine it's it's watchable but it just doesn't deserve the reputation it's got and guy Ritchie has never deserved the reputation he's no. got and what's funny is obviously matthew vaughn was very big at producing guy Ritchie's early stuff Matthew Vaughan has had such a better, more interesting career. Oh, absolutely. And he's a much... And, you know, you might in some ways say he's a bit more of a nuts and bolts director. But, like, Layer Cake is a better Guy Ritchie movie than any it's Guy Ritchie movie. An objectively better Guy yeah. Ritchie movie. <laughs> but, but Guy Ritchie's not involved. Or not much, anyway. I don't know if he's involved in the money side of things, he maybe. He might have been a producer, just in a sort yeah. of like, a, well, thank you for producing mine. I'll return the favour. Exactly. But, it, you know, it's a... I like it's a genuinely well-written, clever story with great actors that's well shot and put together and done for not much money. Whereas um, all the Guy Ritchie ones, they have good bits. Again, it's a bit Michael Bay-esque. There's good bits, but they just don't I mean, connect together. I mean, you can together. tell that he's talented in the sense that he knows, he knows that he can move a camera. Yeah. He knows that he can do a flashy editing. But the question he should be asking himself is, should I? Should I? And <laughs> yeah. why would I? And it's that it's that kind of kill your babies thing, isn't it? It's like, oh, I know how to do this amazing camera shot and it'll spin around the car and then some milk will fly on the car and blah, blah, blah. And I think the boxing scene at the end, the, the, the final boxing scene where it goes underwater. Yeah. It's like, oh, what is that? Why is it turned into a perfume commercial? <laughs> was my exact thought. I was He's like, what is going on? Perfume com- commercial kind of director though. which again michael bay because he was a television advert director it's just got that feel about it um and yeah for that reason it <laughs> I, again i don't want to be too harsh on and it. even his soundtracks because that's what people used to say is if you didn't like guy ritchie films oh their soundtracks they're great yeah a good song for 17 seconds he but, hardly plays the song yeah i mean it's not a good soundtrack if if you don't know how to use it no and if you use very little of it yeah like the first bar of ghost town mm-hmm only be used but then during the boxing fights you got oasis fucking in the bushes for like 20 minutes mm-hmm. oasis <laughs> oasis guy i mean come on it's like in the end of um not even top tier oasis yeah, and the end of Lockstock, he ends on a robbie williams song and that immediately disqualifies him as being cool mr soundtrack man <laughs> yeah <laughs> well <laughs> anyway on that I think it's interesting, maybe this will come out in the scores. I think in a way, like, I've been quite nice on Bullet Train because I kind of didn't expect much from it. And maybe it gave me a little bit more than I expected. And I think with um, uh, with Snatch, I kind of, I, it was in my head as the one, the, the film that made, 
this whole Guy Ritchie thing wasn't a complete, like, wasn't complete madness, wasn't mass, complete mass hysteria. Maybe Guy Ritchie, there is some talent in that boy. And then I watched it for the first time in a long time and I was like, oh, actually, with my more adult and sophisticated eyes on, there's not that much talent there. <laughs> so actually, in a, in a way, there's probably not that much difference in a quality level between the two movies. But one of them I see really harshly for that. One of them is certainly more enjoyable, if only for the fact that any time it's nearly too obnoxious, it goes, yeah. pull back a bit. Just, just pull back a bit. And also looking through something with my 2023 kind of modern modern human eyes as opposed to like 18-year-old, <laughs> yeah, he said a rude word, kind of, you know, <laughs> people are very different. And, and also just time, obviously from when that film was made in the last 23 years, people have moved on a lot. And um, I'm going to say I've got more sophisticated and refined and less dicks. Um, yeah. And and maybe... Probably. Um, yeah, that doesn't work At quite. At least we'd so. like to think so. Yeah, we hope so. Anyway, so I think that brings us quite nicely on to the scores on the doors. Well, for Bullet Train, uh, it was fairly enjoyable. <laughs> Enjoy- enjoyable? Enjoyable. Um, it, it did... For me, it sometimes threatens to be a bit too obnoxious, but either good acting or just restraint uh, on the filmmaker's part pulled it back just when it could have teetered over. And because of that, I think um, it's a 6 out of 10. You just leave your brain at the door, you might have a fun time. It's the kind of film that you should watch on a rainy Sunday and there's enough witty stuff going on there that, and enough kinetic action scenes that I think you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think there's not much to dislike about it. There's lots to like. It's a good, fun little romp. It, it, it doesn't even feel too long, which is very rare for me to say. To be fair, locks, um, uh, Snatch doesn't feel too long either. Now 40 or something. Yeah, fair play. Um, two, that's one one positive for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of was thinking six out of ten myself as well. I think it kind of ticks those boxes. You know, maybe if you were chilled out enough you might just scrape into a seven but i'm gonna give it a six i think i'm firmly in the six so i think i enjoyed it just slightly less than you but yeah um and snatch snatch was just irksome um and if it weren't for jason statham and um stephen graham but more so jason statham who i've really forgot just how confident he is. I do just like Jason Statham, though. He comes across as a very likable person. He comes across as a very likable person, but, you know, to be that confident that early in your career where you're surrounded by movie stars who have kind of... The stunt casting in this film is almost a sort of a trick to go, whoa, look at us, we're Hollywood now. And he doesn't bat an eye. That's something. But the rest of the film, you know, the odd witty line here and there and the odd kind of fun bit here and there, it's just annoying or it's boring. Um, so I think four out of ten, and a lot of points go to you know having a good lead performance is a good way to steer a ship through, and, and he's doing a lot of that for a lot of that for is for Jason, and slightly less for Stephen Graham. I think I possibly liked it ever so slightly more than you going by that score. I do think it's funny at times. I do kind of like the central story. I 100% agree on on uh, on Stephen Graham and, and Jason Statham. I think they really hold it together. But there are a few other performances here and there. Are like I actually kind of like Brad Pitt's performance, although it is kind of problematic in, when you look at it through 
a more sensitive lens. But uh, you know, I, if you take out the connotations and the and the words used, then I kind of don't hate his performance. I kind of think it, it in a way works. Um, but I yeah, I don't love it. I find it. I kind of find the whole film works him as well. I find it over the top. I find the editing a bit annoying. Not too long, as I said previously. Um, so I'm also I was thinking a five out of ten, so slightly higher, but. But for, for the 119th greatest movie of all time, according to IMDb, <laughs> um, we have given us somewhat a slightly different score to that. Well, but... oh, blimey, yeah. we're a good review. <laughs> Down the old Kent Road. So, Do you want yeah. tank engine in that? What, hey? So anyway, 6 out of 10 for Bullet Train. Go yes. give it a little watch if you've got a little Sunday afternoon with nothing to do. And... Uh, Maybe don't bother watching Snatch Game. If you have good memories of Snatch in your head and you haven't watched it for 10, 15 years... Maybe keep maybe those. Maybe keep those. Yeah, nostalgia yeah. Will, your nostalgia will be, will be better than the film itself. Because it's kind of ruined the film for me. Yeah. Watching it again. I'm not going to lie. Anyway, on that, uh, I'm going to end the show. Goodbye, everybody. Well, goodbye. Knock it on the end. Mary Poppins.